us, assist us, or pull us out of where we are to where we need to be. And those are wonderful moments. But we have been zeroing in on what I call cooperative breakthrough. Cooperative breakthrough is that breakthrough when God says, if you will do this, then I will do this. And, and then it becomes incumbent upon us, it's our responsibility, to position ourselves with him in such a way that he can move in our life. He sees our obedience, he sees our faith, he sees whatever it is that he's been waiting for to happen, and he can move in order to bring the breakthrough that you and I need. And we've been using these Christmas accounts in order to teach you how the Lord can bring about this new day. And everybody needs a new day. We all need a new era. We all need a new chapter. We all need the slate to be clean. We, we all need those moments where we can start over, get a do-over. And, and, and that's why Jesus came. He came announcing his ministry. And one of the things that he said in Luke chapter 4 was that he came to proclaim the dawn of a new day. The dawn of a new era, a new, a new time, a new season. So um, that's what we want to share with you. And hopefully some of these precepts um, will be pertinent and practical. Remember what I said on week one, get your life in order. Get everything in order. Everyone say order. God likes order. He really does. He moves in order. He doesn't want to multiply your dysfunction, but he loves to see godly order. Number two, we talked about believing before we actually see it in our natural eyes. So we've got to begin to believe and exercise faith. And then finally, last week we talked about change and how God because he is changed less, he is changing us, and all of us have to enter into change if we want to see breakthrough. So here we are, the fourth week, and I put it on the screen. It's our fourth lesson, and I've entitled it this, Are You Willing to Take a Detour? Are you willing to take a detour? We're talking about being positioned now for a breakthrough. Let's read Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 13. We read, Now when they had departed... Uh, meaning the wise men, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt... I called my son. Now leap over to verse 19. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, that he shall be called a Nazarene. And again, the lesson this morning I've entitled, Are You Willing to Take a Detour? Now, we all know that God knows everything and that he can do anything. And there are times in your life and in your journey that you'll be taken on what appears to be a detour. And on this detour, you'll be saying to yourself, I thought I was following the will of God. I thought I was believing for a breakthrough. 
It seemed as if I was headed in a certain direction, but now I find myself on this detour. I've often said this phrase. I've said sometimes life's detours are actually God's interstates. Sometimes the detour that you think you are on is actually God's main road to getting you to his perfect plan and your destiny. I could tell you all sorts of stories out of the Bible of men and of women who were walking along in the will of God and then all of a sudden something happens and they're on what you and I might refer to as a detour. How many of you remember we use this man often as we look to the Old Testament and I'm talking about the Old Testament patriarch Joseph, not Mary's husband, but the patriarch Joseph. You remember his life getting a dream from God at age 18 and his brothers rise up against him, throw him in a pit, sell him into slavery. He's a slave. He's falsely accused in Potiphar's house. He's put into prison. They're in prison. His hopes are dashed. He thinks the the baker and the butler are going to help him, but they seem to forget him. But all of a sudden, even though we're talking some two decades later, God, in the midst of his prison sentence, lifts him up and lets him become number two in all of Egypt and in Pharaoh's court. How many of you know a detour became a destiny for Joseph? We could talk about David. All of us have heard the story of David starting in a sheep field. His dad overlooks him when the prophet comes to prophesy the next king. He uh, has some great victories with regards to lions and bears and Goliaths. And so Saul embraces him and brings him into the house of the king. But it's while he's there, Saul gets jealous and begins to throw spears at him. And so David must take off in the night and he flees to the caves of Adullam. And there in the caves of Adullam, after being in a palace where it seemed as if all the prophetic word that he got when he was just a teenager was finally coming to pass. All of a sudden, he finds himself in the caves of Adullam, sleeping on the rocks in in dark, wet, moist caves. And, And people are drawn to him. Yes, 400, the Bible says, and they're all in debt. They're all depressed and they're all discouraged. Yeehaw! And yet it was from out of the caves that God begins to do something that brings him to Hebron to rule and eventually back into Jerusalem itself and he is crowned king over all of Israel. How many of you know that David's detour became his destiny? This is the question I'm going to leave you this morning. Why do you think you're different? Joseph the one we find here in our text who was Mary's husband, was a man, I think, who could handle a detour in his life. I want you to think for just a moment all that Joseph had done in order to kind of walk this thing out that was going on with regards to the Savior of the world. Listen to this. Joseph had accepted the fact that his girlfriend was pregnant and it wasn't from him. He had accepted the fact that he was going to have to leave his business to obey the decree for a census or a tax that was going to take place. It was going to be a long sabbatical. He's able to hear the innkeeper say to him, there is no room in the inn, despite the fact that his wife is pregnant, getting ready to deliver. And so he gets a barn with a bunch of animals. And now, after Christ is born... Instead of getting to go home, the Lord says, no, you get to go to Egypt. 
And it was a three-year detour, most believe. And yet when everything is all said and done, the Bible tells us that as Joseph obeyed all of these things and he did all of these things, every prophecy concerning the Savior, the Messiah, was fulfilled in his being obedient to the will of God and what seemed to be a detour in his life. Now, that's a cool story, isn't it? I mean, I mean, we read these stories and we go, wow, that's a, that's a great story. But can I just share with you something? Being a man and understanding how a lot of men think, Joseph is not the typical man. In fact, for most guys, and I'll put myself into that most assuredly, I struggle with detours. I like a plan. And once we get the plan, let's stick to the plan. I don't like it when I'm going down the interstate. Maybe I'm traveling over a holiday. Maybe I'm needing to get to somewhere I need to be. I'm sure your life is a lot like mine. We have busy lives and there's appointments to make, things to get to, folks waiting on us. And so whenever I see a detour come up on my plan, I really get sort of, out of shape. I get, I get a little bit twisted. I, I don't want to take an alternate route. Like a lot of guys, my feeling is that the point of a road trip is to see if I can beat my last time that I had driving to that location. My, my key purpose on a road trip is to Google the directions, see the time that Google says it takes to make that trip and to beat Google. As if there's some prize at the end of this that someone's going to give to me as I jump out of the car and say, I beat MapQuest. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I'm just a guy. You see, that's just how guys think. Don't ask me why, ladies. It's the same reason. We ask you things and you just say it just because I'm a woman and we don't get it. That's just guy DNA. I'm just sharing with you right there. But the question is, why, why, why does God do that? Why, why are there divine detours? What is a divine detour. Now, I'll share this with you. Some detours are our own doing. Sometimes we detour ourselves. We get off the main road through our disobedience, through lack of faith, through having to learn or unfortunately relearn certain lessons over and over and over again. So, so as I'm talking about detours today and as you're kind of assimilating all of this in your mind and you're thinking through what that means to you personally, can I just share with you, and I'll come back to this point, some detours, I don't know that God's in, you got on that road. That was your road. That was your detour. But having said that, there are other detours that are indeed God's doing. He's doing something to be sure everyone knows that he is in charge, not us. In fact, you need to understand that not only is God in charge of the outcome, but he's in charge of the process. He's in charge of the journey. It's not just a matter of him getting you to this place, but he wants to lead you and guide you and talk to you and walk with you as he gets you to that final outcome. I put a definition of a detour. I didn't look this up. I didn't Google this. I just, I just said, what's a detour? If I had to define a detour, how would I define it? And this is what I came up with. I said, it's a turning off the primary road that initially looks like an inconvenience. A turning off the primary road that initially looks like an inconvenience or even a reversal from the direction 
you had planned. That's a detour. Ever been on a detour when you're making a trip somewhere? If you're ever in the mountains and they put you on a detour, after a while you think you're headed back home because they got you going all sorts of different directions. And so a detour can make you feel real uncomfortable because as you go through this detour, you're having to trust those orange signs and the person that mapped it out in order to get you back to where ultimately you knew you were supposed to be. I want you to consider Joseph's detour. He was being asked in what I've read to you this morning to go to Egypt. Have you ever considered what Egypt probably meant or represented to a devout Jew? What would Egypt mean if if you were of a Jewish lineage and you had all this history behind you with regards to your people and and the stories and, and the incredible feats that God did with regards to Egypt? What would all that mean or represent to you? Well, as I began to think about it, I thought how Egypt would have to represent bondage. Egypt would have to represent slavery. Egypt would have to represent poor living conditions, terrible wages, terrible salaries. It would have to represent in in some ways just the, the most terrible of living circumstances. And I put down here, really, Egypt represents going backwards in life. To go to Egypt is like saying, I'm going to take you backwards. I'm going to take you back from whence you thought you had been delivered from. I'm going to take you back to that place. There's an error in some Christians' minds that I think needs addressing, and it's this. It's true that God promotes you. In fact, God's heart is to promote his people, to influence them, to prosper them. All of these things are true, and we minister and preach those very truths. But you cannot say, and I think the the, the word is blanketly, you know, you just can't make this generalized statement that everything that God's involved in is always smooth, it's always easy, it's always promoting, and, and if it's that, it's always God. That is not true. It's just simply not true. You can't read the Bible and think that's true. Just the, just the characters I already have given to you demonstrate to us that it, it can look like life is in a reversal. A total reversal from what the heart of God is at that particular moment. And yet, was God with them? Of course he was. Was God doing something? Of course he was. Believe me, there are numerous people I could pull out here automatically and show you their lives. And there were moments in their lives that it appeared as if everything was stacked against them. And at times, it was a total reversal of fortune. Come on now, didn't Paul have a shipwreck? Landing in Malta, didn't he go to cities and he was tied up, bound up, thrown in jail? Come on now, that's in the Bible too. Isn't that true? Isn't it true that we can, we can look at how people uh, faced a, a task from the Lord and all of a sudden we find them in these most desperate of circumstances. Peter and John find themselves in jail. All they did was preach the gospel. Hey, I thought if I preached the gospel and I started getting thousands of people saved and we started the church, man, it'd be a great thing. Everybody in the city would love me. Ah, wrong answer. God can even allow reversals to begin to take place. And the key to it all is, is that it, it may not be the devil, it may be his detour. In order to do something in your life That's far more weighty, far more valuable, and far more important than just getting you to your next location. Even as I speak to you this morning, there are some of you here, because I know numbers of your stories and where you're at and what's going on, and 
For some of you, you've broken through and others, you're, you're facing some challenging days. And some of you right now, you may say to yourself, I feel like I'm in a reversal. It seems like I've done everything I know to do. I've tried to be faithful. I've tried to be obedient. I've tried to evaluate my life. I've tried to do it God's way. And it just seems like I'm just continually challenged and even a reversal. Can I just suggest to you that you could actually at this moment, despite what you feel and what you see, you might actually be on one of God's interstates that is taking you to a breakthrough if you handle the detour correctly are you with me you can spend a long time on a detour sometimes you can get off those detours in a hurry let's talk about that why does God take you on a detour why does God take you on a detour well in the case of this Joseph in our text he took him on a detour for his and his family's protection you may not even realize how much God has protected you when he puts you on a detour. I've had people come to me and they've lost their job. And they said, what am I going to do? I've lost my job. How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to live life? How am I going to do what I'm supposed to do? And we all need a job in order to, in order to you know, eat and pay bills and do all the things we have to do in life. And we'll lose our job. And the first thing we say is, I can't believe I've lost this job. And instantly we'll go into spiritual warfare, you know, binding the devil. Well, maybe the devil was involved. I'm not saying that couldn't be a, a possibility. But I just want you to consider as you're, as you're discerning and, and, and considering all that's happening, could it be maybe that God was doing something because that was the only way he could get you from point A to point B? Was, was you weren't moving, so he just said, well, I know they love me. I know they're basically obedient. I'm trying to get to them. I know some things that aren't so good are fixing to happen. And so I tell you what, I'm just going to go ahead and move them on out. And he just moves you on out. And the whole time you're whining and you're crying and you're, oh, God's forsaken me. No, he hadn't. He's right in the middle of your situation. You're on a detour. And so sometimes detours are for protection. He, he, he brings us out of something that we don't even get at the moment, not realizing until later that it, he protected us. I can tell you right now, Tracy and I have looked at things and thought that had to be the heart of God. Certainly God would do this. Certainly this would be a good thing. And, and it didn't happen or we had to go another direction. And we looked and said, what in the world was going on? And a few years later, he protected us from something that would have been far more devastating than just having to walk by faith with a job loss or just a change in our life that just was inconvenient or uncomfortable. Some of you right now, I'm telling you right now, there are things going on that are by the hand of God that he's sparing you from some far greater adversity because you're on that particular detour. I, I also believe, though, that a detour, most detours are really tests in disguise. I'm just telling you what I think. I think a detour at its heart is a divine test. Now, there are three areas of test in a detour. Three areas of test in a detour. Now, let me just share this with you. All kingdom tests are pass-fail. It's not A, B, C, or D. I barely made it. <laughs> it's pass-fail. And here's the thing about kingdom tests. If you don't pass it the first time, you get to take it again, and again, and again. And again, until you pass it. 
It's, it's just, it's, it, the kingdom's a little like Monopoly when you're in jail. You can't pass go, you can't collect $200 until you pass the test. Are you with me? So, you, so you've got to just say, Lord, I'm going I'm to pass this test. And there are three areas of test in a detour. The first one is, will I exercise emotional self-control? That's the first, I think, one of the first tests in a detour. Because whenever you're detoured and whenever things are not according to plan, it starts stirring something up on the inside. It may make you angry. It may make you upset. It may disappoint you. It could be any one of maybe a hundred emotions that are beginning to move inside of you. And the first test that you have is, will I exercise self-control at this particular moment? Or will I allow my emotions to cause me to make choices that will get me off this road that I'm on right now? God's wanting to know, can I throw you a curveball and you hit it? Can, can I do something in your life that will cause you to even look different, silly, outlandish, excessive? Is there, is there something I can do in your life that will demonstrate your faith and obedience to me, if, if I were the Lord speaking to you, to me, that would begin to model what it means to walk with God? Can I, can I exercise emotional self-control? Can I begin to trust God? Number two, will I balance and or release my need for logic. I think this is one of the tests when we're on a kingdom detour. Um, I was driving Kaylin to school one morning and coming back from the north area. And uh, anyone that has to hit the interstates in the morning knows that when you're coming into Charleston early in the morning, it's terrible. Traffic's terrible. It's always terrible. On a good morning, it's terrible. And apparently there was an accident and... uh, So everything was shut down, nothing was moving, everything was bumper to bumper, and instantly my mind, I'm a guy, my mind shifts into, where can I go? What back road can I hit? How can I navigate this thing in order to get back home as quickly as possible? And so I started, you know, to think through all the different ways that I could navigate through this, and so I decided I was going to leap over to Dorchester Road and... And so I moved over there. And, and, and the whole time, of course, I'm working through my stress. I'm working through anxiety. I'm working through irritation. My logic sensors have kicked in because I'm thinking if I go here or there. And at that moment, I realized, as, I, as I'm driving this down Dorchester Road, and I'm going through all this stuff, emotionally, rationally, I'm going through all this stuff as I'm doing all this, it suddenly dawned on me at that moment that I could never be the President of the United States, and hold the nuclear codes. Because there are a few cars that I'd have pushed that button on, right? And, and, and what does that mean? It means this, that there, that, that, that curveball, that detour, revealed something in me that had to be addressed. Not that I, I, I wouldn't want to be President of the United States. But, but we have to realize that, that there's a test that's going on there. And, and detours will defy logic. They'll make sense later after everything shakes out in your life. But during the detour, there may be no logic to it at all. And I want you to know that I, I don't believe that we're to function as anti-rational beings. I, I think that logic has its place and that rationality has its place. But not everything God does in our life fits into logical patterns. And so we've got to be aware that while God's not against rationality, rationality doesn't always equal God either. And that's a test. Number three is will I trust God and will I act in faith? Will I trust God and will I act in faith? 
if the Bible is true, and I believe, of course, it is, that the steps of the righteous are ordered, then whenever you are at a moment like this, you need to realize that God is involved in this moment somehow. How many of you know God was in the car with me on Dorchester Road? He's in the car with you on whatever Dorchester Road you're on. God's there. Will you trust Him? This is when what you say has to be lived out. Hallelujah. When life's good and business is good and the job's good and family's good and everything's going good, boy, we'll lift our hands and we'll go, oh, yeah, boy, I trust the Lord. Hallelujah. But, you know, trust, it's, it, every biblical concept boils down to this. It's meaningless until it enters the test. Trust means nothing until you have to trust him. It's easy to trust when everything's good. It's when everything doesn't seem so hot. I've, I've said this. It doesn't matter what concept. Overcoming means nothing unless there's something to overcome. Victory means nothing unless you're in the middle of a battle where defeat is possible. All of these concepts are just concepts until they come down to the place where the rubber meets the road and we're going to have to walk this out in real life fashion will i trust god and will i act in faith that's one of the tests of a detour now there are four attitudes i put down here to avoid on a detour i'm not going to spend much time on this i'm just going to give these attitudes and you've got to break them shake them off and let them go the first one is this this is taking too long this is taking too long you got to break that in your life i i want quick fast hurry up i want that to happen in my life as well but God is working something out. He's positioning and he's orchestrating and everything. And I've already talked about this. Remember, Karios, when everything is in order, when the time is fulfilled, when that moment arrives, he can make it happen. So let him do his work in you. Don't resist it. Embrace it. Just say, Lord, I just, you know, do your work in me. If you're going to kill me, at least don't torture me. Just get it, you know, but I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I'm ready. I want your will in my life. If you resist it, all you're doing is lengthening the time period, probably you're going to be on that detour. Number two, this is too hard for me. This is too hard for me. I cannot tell you how many times I've, I've heard people, and that's come out of my mouth at times, saying, you know, this is, this is too hard. I, I, you know, the Bible says this, that there is, and again, I know it's with temptation, and we could probably we could probably parse this a little bit more precisely, but I think it's a point that can still be made. God's not going to let something come in your life that he's not fully confident that you and him together can't prevail in. That's just the bottom line. I mean, I've watched people, Trace and I have watched TV, and we'll watch some incredibly tragic scenarios, and we'll look at each other and say, you know what, our life has not been that bad. I mean, I don't know how these people get through that, and, and, but yet they do, and there's a grace for that. And, and I know that when you're in the middle of a difficult moment, we're always saying, it's too hard, it's too hard, it's too hard. No, it's not. With God, all things are possible, and you will make it. You have to rely on Him, lean on Him, walk with Him, trust Him, and He will get you through somehow. He will. So that's an attitude to avoid. Number three, the cost is too high. Do you know how many people have jettisoned from their destiny because they've looked at the cost and they said, I'm just not willing to pay it. I'm just not, well, I'm not willing to pay that price. I'm not willing to, to, to put out that kind of energy or investment or expense. And I'm not talking about your money now. We can be talking about your time. We can, be, we, we can just be you know, talking about your 
your, your just your, your stick-to-itiveness and your faithfulness. And they'll just eventually say, that the cost is too high. I've got, I've got other things that are just now seemingly more important for me to do. And, and they'll, just, they'll just check it off. The cost is too high. And, and what happens is, is that, yeah, God has a cost to destiny. Destiny's not cheap. It's not cheap. When you see someone come through and, and God's purposes shine in their life, uh, it, it wasn't a cheap journey. Some of you that have seen some of God's purposes already manifest in your life, I, I could pull all of you up here and you could tell us your testimonies and give us your stories and I'd be willing to bet if I were a betting man that there were some costs that you paid and it wasn't cheap getting there. It wasn't cheap. And, and so we have to realize there's a cost to it and the minute you say this, this detour is a toll road and I don't want to pay the toll, then you'll probably miss your destiny. Number four, this is not fair. I love this one because this is how we all evaluate life. Every single one of us. I know this is true. We look at ourselves and then we'll look at everybody else. And this is what we say. How come they don't have to do what I have to do? Nobody has to do what I have to do. Nobody's experienced what I've experienced. Nobody. It's just it's just not fair, God. How come they get away with it and I never get away with it? How come, how, come, how come they seem to just be able to do this, but you never let me do that? How come everything they touch turns to gold, but everything I touch falls apart? It's not fair, God. It's not fair. Can I tell you that 100% of you here this morning have said that? All of us have said that. It's not fair. Why do they get to drive that? Why do they get to live there? Why do they get to do this? Why do they get to do that? It's just not fair. Hey, you know what? If you, want, if you want fair, then you just might as well just jettison out right now. God's not fair. He's just. You don't know what any one person has walked through. I don't even know what people have walked through totally, and I know a lot about people's lives. But this much I've learned already, that I can't judge a man until I understand every single step he's taken in his life. And you know what? He may have paid some prices that I have yet to pay. And there may be some things that he has done that I have yet to do. And you know what? I just better keep my yap shut. Because God works with me perfectly and lovingly and completely. And that's all that matters. Because it isn't about why does he get what I don't get or vice versa. It's about, Lord, I'm in this for you. And, 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 and you know what? You, you can feel like you've lost every earthly thing. And you can still be great and successful in the eyes of God. And that's all that really matters. You see, the, 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 the success of the kingdom or the, or the um, um, what, what am I looking for? The, uh, the, the thing that demonstrates that you're in the kingdom is not that you have a gajillion dollars and that everything in life is perfect. That's not what, that's not what kingdom ranking is. It's, it's about when you can, when you can say, I've, I've done the will of God. I've been faithful in what he's asked me to do. I've been obedient in all that he's given me to do in order that he can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He didn't say, well done, thou good and rich beyond your wildest dream servant. He didn't say, well done, thou good and you've got four houses. Well done, thou good and 15 jet skis. Are you with me? That's not what he says. Now, I, I, I'm not, don't, don't misunderstand. If you can afford 15 jet skis, hallelujah. Call me up, I'll go with you. But hear me now. Hear me. That is, not, that is, that, that, that is meaningless. It's obedience and faithfulness. 
and to the place where you could probably get, you'd say, you know, I can only live one house at a time anyway. So, you know, maybe, maybe God's given me some things to do kingdom work with. I won't jump on that one. So, but it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. Why, why them and not me? You got to break that attitude, all right, when you're on a detour. Now, how do I navigate it? And this is the part that I'm going to put four practical things. You know, I have really grown. How many of you remember when I used to give you like 10 things, you know, and I just, you know, I got to the place where I thought, you know, people are lost after point four, so I'm only going to give them four anyway. If they can get four under their belt, they'll be doing good. Whenever there's a test from the Lord, he has the ability to make it unique and individualized for each of us. Isn't that good to know? He looks at you and he knows you intimately and he says, I know exactly how to test them. And that's another, re- that's another reason why you got a different test than your neighbor. Because you needed a different one. There are four questions that can help you navigate through your detour. Number one, did I get where I am by myself or is this by God's design? That's a very important question to begin to ask yourself because what you do with the answer to that question is, is, is critical because, because if you're sidetracked or you feel like you're sidetracked, you must ask yourself, okay, let me evaluate my life rightly. Now, you can't, you can't hoodoo yourself or try to justify or you've got to get honest before your God, maybe even get other people involved and, and, and let them speak truth to you now. And, and begin to evaluate why you are here. Because when you answer that, you know what your next step is. Because if you're on this detour because you've been disobedient, then the answer to your question at this moment is, I must repent. You can't say, well, you know, God's got me on this detour and you've just been disobeying him left and right. No, God didn't get you. on. Well, I mean, God may be certainly letting you on that detour because there's some things that you're going to learn probably painfully on that road But it wasn't by his first choice or primary design. It's because there was disobedience in the equation. And so what happens is, is that you've got to say, you know, I repent. I'm here because I got myself here. And and I'm going to tell a story here in just a moment that some of you have heard before. But but, but it's a a good story how I began to learn some of these things in my own life. But, But you've got to ask yourself, how did I get here? If this is God that got me here and I've been doing everything I know to do, then I can seek him and ask him for some perspective or clarity or some help or input. But if I'm here because I've just flat been disobedient, then the answer is repentance. And I I know I sound like a Johnny one note in a broken record, but I'll say it again. Repentance is the linchpin. It is the key. It is the foundational concept of Christianity. Repent. Repent. It's not add on. It's not just adjust a little. It's, it, it, it's not just get a new perspective or get positive. It's repent. You must repent. I was, this is repentance. I was wrong. You are right. That's repentance. It's not, well, I just misheard. No, you didn't. <laughs> if you misheard, you're still wrong. <laughs> repentance. Everyone say repentance. See, it's a lost word in our current culture. We don't hear about repent. We hear about everything else but repent. Repent, repent, repent. Repent. That's what John came declaring. He said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He said, that's what will prepare you for kingdom things is repentance. So did I get here by myself or is this by God's design? Number two, am I remaining faithful in all the revelation and understanding I currently have? We're navigating now through this detour. You're off the main road. 
You've answered the first question. Now this is the second question. While you're on the detour, it doesn't mean that the rules get suspended. Am I, am I remaining faithful in all the revelation and understanding I currently have? Which means this, just because there's more pressure doesn't mean you don't still walk in faith. Just because there may be more stress doesn't mean you don't continue to do what's necessary to do. Am I, am I being faithful in what I know to do is right. We can't, we can't say time out, my circumstance changed so God understands. No, God works by his precept. God works by his principle. You know, I've been through, our household has in numerous times been through incredible financial challenge. And we just made it a point that before the government gets their money, the house payment, we just, we give God his money because I want God in my equation all the time. And, you know, the righteous have never been begging for bread and, and I've never had to go down to the soup kitchen yet. I just, God's always come through. But I had to remain faithful in all the revelation and understanding I have. And as I remain faithful, even in a pressure cooker, God still is able to move and bring me forth in greater measure. I, I, we could give all kinds of illustrations on that one. Number three, what lessons, go ahead, what lessons should I learn while I'm traveling down this road? If God's put you in this detour situation and you're traveling down this road, don't just, just don't, don't, don't be dumb. Learn what's God, what are you saying to me? What are you, what are you trying to teach me? Help me to learn what, what you're doing at this particular moment. What lessons should I be learning? I, I mean, I don't want to spend, you know, hundreds of days on a detour when I could have been off that thing in a week if I would have just learned what God was trying to get through to me. So we've got to ask the question, God, are you, are you teaching me something here? Am I, am I to learn something? What might it be? Show me, unveil it to me, send someone to me. Write it in the sky, you know. Give me a dream, send an angel, but Lord, teach me. Teach me what it is that I'm to learn. Amen. We should be saying that a lot. Teach me what it is that you're, that you're trying to show me. And I can assure you that you can navigate your detour much better. Number four, what new revelation or insight should I be getting as I move forward? What new revelation? There's always something new, it seems like, that comes out of a detour. There's always something that I didn't know before that God suddenly opens up and unveils to me that I did not know prior to being on this road. And, and, and usually it's been a jewel, it's been a diamond, it's been something I could share with others or counsel with them to help them through their time. But, but ask the Lord, what new thing are you showing me as I'm going down this path that I've never navigated before? Let me, let me sort of tell you a story and I'm going to end with this. And again, some of you have heard this, this account before, but some of you have not. Or some of you have heard bits and pieces here and there. But um, when I got out of seminary, and Trace and I, had, we just had Kaylin, or excuse me, Kaylin, Clayton. They all look the same after a while, you know, so. Clayton. Not now. I mean, I mean when you're that big, I mean, it's just, you know. Oh, uh, well. I was on a detour for a moment. All right, sorry, Kaylin. That didn't come out quite right. Clayton. Um, and we just got out of seminary. 
we were going to Ohio, which is where our first assignment was years ago. This had to have been in 85, 1985. And uh, so we're there in Ohio and doing our thing in the ministry while we were there. And it was while I was there that I received a phone call from a district superintendent here in South Carolina. And um, he said, there's a church that I would like for you to consider. And so I said, well, I'll, I guess I'll listen to anything. I don't know that that's God, but I'll, I'll listen to anything. And so he shared with me a little bit about this church. And if you've been with me now, some of you have been with me for a lot of years, so you'll put some of the pieces together, but I'm not, I'm not announcing the names or anything like that. But, but the church that was actually being offered to me to come to at that particular time back in 1985 uh, probably isn't a mile from where we're located right now. That was in 1985. And I could drive you, it would be almost maybe a little more than a mile, maybe not. And, um, you know, did a little research back in those days. You know, everything was done at a purely rational, logical level. And um, there were various reasons, despite the fact that it may have been the will of God. But I just, I didn't feel... See, I was in the mode was, unless it is a promotion, it couldn't be God. Are you with me? I mean, some of you, you should be with me because that's what you think. Unless it's a promotion, it couldn't be God. Okay, listen to my story well then, okay? So I said no, because it wasn't, it wasn't a promotion. In fact, in some ways, it, it could have been considered a reversal. And, and so that was 1985, and so I said no, and we went on with life. And I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but as soon as I said no, God took me on a detour. Just that quick. You say, where did your detour go? Well, some of you know. I went from Ohio to Oakland, California. Because, I, because that was a promotion. See, I went to the second most historic church. It was founded by the founder of our denomination, this church in Oakland. It was the first church. You know, and it doesn't matter what denomination. You can put whatever denomination you want in there. But it was the first church. It was his second stop, so it was the second most historic church in our denomination. And you could pull out the old book and see all the pastors that had pastored there through the years, because it had been there over a century or so, and every single one of the names, boy, they were, they were notable figures in the history of that particular denomination. I mean, there were district superintendents and, and, and general superintendents and Notable big shots and just, and, and listen to me now, hear me, because some of you will smile, because, because we all know that, that there, are certain, there are certain stones that you step on or certain rungs that you climb in order to get to where ultimately you think you ought to be. And if you were going to be something in the circles that we were involved in at that time, this was one of the best rungs you could stop at. Because this, I mean, you are, you are headed for some big shot thing somewhere in your life. So obviously, that's God. Well, sure it is. Well, you, you hardly have to pray about something like that. You're going to make more money. You're in a bigger city. You've got all this history behind you. you this is a stepping stone to your next location where you're ultimately looking to. And going to arrive, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, oh, uh, of course, because what we say is, oh, yeah, I'll pray about it, of course. That's what we all say, don't we? It's like when you ask people to work or serve in a particular area of the church, and they go, oh, yeah, I'll pray about it. 
And then we, we all know that means no. I mean, I mean, I mean, don't we? You've already made up your mind. Because surely God wouldn't make me do that. So it works kind of both ways. So, so sure, I prayed about it, but I knew that was God because promotion was just all over it. So, man, we were off to California. And, and this is the story that oftentimes I tell people that while I was staying and, and we were going through that process of, you know, I call it the ecclesiastical mating ritual where you kind of, you, uh, you, you're kind of courting each other and everybody's on their best behavior and, you know, they pull out their china and they feed you well and everybody shows up for all the meetings and it looks like a great deal. And then when you really get there, nobody shows up because they just wanted a pastor. And so we went through all that stuff. And so I remember going home because we were staying with the district superintendent. And that night I got deathly ill. I, I mean, I, I was praying that night, but I was over the porcelain altar. I mean, I was, I, was, I was kneeling and I was sick, 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 sick. I never actually got sick to my stomach, which is where I developed this particular precept of mine, which is the only thing worse than getting sick to your stomach is 30 seconds before you get sick to your stomach. So if you ever want to know where that came from, that was from me. So anyway, it was bad. I mean, God didn't let me get sick. He just kind of dangled me at that 30 second before getting sick stage all night long. Now, I know now, I know now that what he was trying to say to me at that moment in his kindness and in his love was, Kevin, don't do this. The reason you feel sick is because this is sick. This is, not, this is not a curveball. But you know what I'm doing? Because I want this thing. Are you with me? Whenever you, whenever, it's in your, whenever you want it, you can make anything that happens in your life, you can make it, God. Because I'm sitting there going, I'll go, God. I'll take it. Even though I'm sick here tonight, I'll go. You know, the whole time, I'm just thinking I'm wrestling with the devil. I'm rebuking the devil. I didn't, well, I can't say that because I didn't know how to rebuke the devil. I didn't even think he was around. So, I mean, so, and, and, and so pretty soon the sickness left. And I said to myself, ha, I broke through. Little did I know, God said, have it your way. Have it your way. And so we went and I don't know that we were there six weeks before we were going down the interstate one day. It was probably I-5 there in Northern California, and we're sitting there, quiet in the car, and it was one of those moments where we looked at each other, and it was just like it, it just happened at the same time where we said, we have made the mistake of our life. And it was like it all became clear. But here I am on this detour. Now, you got to understand, I got, I got on this detour because I put myself there. Now, here's the good news. I'm going to give you a little good news. Once you find out you made a mistake, what do you do? Repent. You, do, you don't go and try to pol pol politicize your way or manipulate your way. You've got to repent. You get before God and say, oh, God, I have made a mistake. I now get it. You are trying to talk to me. I didn't get it then, but I get it now. Can I just tell you, anytime there's something going on before me and I get sick like that, I at least know God's don't do it. That one is indelibly drilled into my system. He never had, if, if all I know from God is don't do it, I got that one down. So we repented and, and, and we looked at each other and said, what did we do? And I said, well, at this point, I guess you just, 
We just kept being faithful. Then all you can do is just be faithful and, and begin to put back in order those things you know to be put back in order because you're on this detour. But I want to get back to the good news. Here's the good news is Romans 8, 28. God causes all things to work together for good. To those, now listen, there's an if. To those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So this is, this is what that verse says. God can take your mess. If you repent, God can take your mess and he can cause. He can put his hands in it and he can begin to cause it to turn around for something that's good and beneficial and important in your life. And that's exactly what God did in our lives. And it was one of the most dark, depressing discouraging years, those couple years we were there in our life. I'm just going to tell you, it was, there. I didn't know about the spiritual realm. You say, you were a pastor. You went to seminary. There are pastors that go to seminary all the time and are clueless. I'm just telling you, you go learn everything under the sun except what you need to know to be successful in the kingdom. I, you know, I got my degrees in church history. I can tell you about ecumenical councils and when the Bible was codified and I can tell you who argued with who and when this went there. And it's meaningless. I couldn't beat a devil off my life. But I did know what happened at the Council of Nicaea. <laughs> Whoop-de-doo. Whoop-de-doo. So, so hear me. It's better to know how to kick a devil out of your life than a lot of things. So, so, so I mean, I'm just clueless. And, 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 it, and it's, 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 it's war and it's battle and, and, and it was difficult and it was challenging. And I, I'm not going to go through all the things I could paint a picture that would just depress you this morning. It depressed me to such an extent. I, I'm here to tell you that I would sit in a dark room. All the lights were out and I'd just rock. And, and, and Trace reached the place where she said, you are teetering on a depression that I, 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 don't know, I don't know what to do with you. And she was right. And then one day she, she saw this advertisement in Charisma Magazine. And back in those days, we started to get Charisma Magazine, but we had them send it to us in one of those brown plain wrappers. Because if any of the folks saw that we were getting Charisma Magazine, they'd have thought we were one of them. Oh, you're one of those charismatics, aren't you? And then we'd have had a quick ticket out of town with that. But anyway, we got our Charisma and happened to see one of the pastor's faces that was in the Oakland area just down the road, not far. So she encouraged me. I wasn't going to do it. I guess probably I was just in such a depression. But she just kept encouraging me to go see this guy. And anyway, the long and the short of it is this, is that uh, his name was David Kitely. And he began to minister to us and talk to us and breathe life back in us. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm giving you short versions of a lot of interesting details, but it was there in Oakland, California, that hands were laid on us and we received the baptism with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of tongues. And all of a sudden, man, there was joy and power and things started to kick back again in our life. And now listen to me. You say, well, then did everything get good? No! I lost the friends of a lifetime over the Holy Ghost. I've often said to people, you get saved, you'll lose friends. And then God will give you new ones. And then you get filled with the Holy Spirit and then you'll lose more friends. And then God will give you new ones. You'll find out who really is your friend. So praise God, we got more friends out of it. But at the time, we knew that that was, that was, that was, that was bad in the circles we were in. So, so lo and behold... We were, we were going, what are we going to do? We are now infected. 
I mean, we're, you, know, uh, you know, we are we are now tainted goods. It would have been better for us to have embezzled all the building fund and have gone to the Caribbean. They, they, they would have received us back over that, but we're done. You talk in tongues, you're done. Trace's dad was in an automobile accident and outside Spartanburg, South Carolina, and it was ended up being a gracious way for us to transition in order to come to Spartanburg to help him and his mom, her mom. And uh, so we came to Spartanburg, and lo and behold, we came and we said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I mean, here we are in Spartanburg. Dear Lord, we were in Oakland, and now we're in Spartanburg. And, you know, it took six days, 3,000 miles driving with, with Clayton next to me in the rider. He's about, what, four years old at the time or something? He's, yeah, he's just the whole time. He just bounced the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> oh, we won't even go there. And then and Tyler was a baby. And we go to the church, you know, Evangel Cathedral. And that morning at Evangel Cathedral, listen to me now, that morning at Evangel, we, we, we left town so quickly because of the accident. We didn't have time to say bye to anybody. Didn't say bye to David Kitely. Didn't say bye to anybody. We just had to leave. And that morning at Evangel when we drove in, uh, that first Sunday morning, we just said, well, I guess we might as well start attending a full gospel church because God knows we aren't going to be accepted anywhere else. But that morning we went in, and lo and behold, David Kitely was at that church that morning speaking. And, and he was trying to hook me up with this guy that we could never get hooked up with. His name was Moses Vay, and wouldn't you know it, he was at that church that same morning too. And there were so many providential coincidences that took place that it was evident that God was involved in this somehow. You all know the story. You know the story. I worked for Pastor Miles, was there for nearly nine years, and then, lo and behold, Charleston, South Carolina, calls again. And, you know, I've thought about our journey, and I've thought about my life, and I've thought about what I did right and what I did wrong, and the choices that I've made and how things shook out. And you always, I don't know if you, I, I kind of look back over my life and think about where it might have been good to have done this or tried this or double check or could it have been done different. And I don't know that those things don't have their place so you can learn the lessons that you're supposed to learn. But can I just tell you this? There was, there was a time not too long ago that it suddenly just was awakened in me again that in 1985, outside Akron, Ohio, I got a phone call from a superintendent who said, would you like to come to Charleston, South Carolina? And because I didn't have ears to hear, I went on, what, a 15-year detour to the place that I believe God's brought me to today to be right smack dab in the center of what he wants for my life. Now, I tell you that story hopefully to give you a little hope, hopefully to tell you that if you're on a detour, that God can still work with you, intervene, and do some incredible things. But this is the most important thing I want to tell you right now, is, is that, is that we've, we've got to be obedient to the Lord. We, we, have got to, we have got to have ears to hear and eyes to see. And if we're on those detours, then repent. If you got on there, repent and receive what God would have for you because he'll do some good things for you even if you're on your own way path, if you'll finally see it and repent for it. 
But there are going to be some times he's going to take us on a little bit different path. And can I just tell you, since I've been in this city, I've kind of been on a couple different paths. But I'm in the will of God. And I believe you're in the will of God. And, and my question is, are, are you willing to take a couple detours in order to get to your breakthrough? Are you, you know, I, I wouldn't have picked them all. I just think this is one of the things that God's taken us through in order to get to a destiny. I want you to believe that. I believe God's taken you through some things to ultimately get you to his destiny. You may not see it now. You may not understand it now. Maybe all the pieces don't fit as nicely together as you would have hoped they would have been by now. But can I tell you, I can look at the years of 1985 to about, nine, well, I'll take that back, to about 2002, and I can see the pieces clearly. And you'll see them too in your life if you'll just be willing to walk with him and trust him. Are you willing to take a detour? I, I believe right now, some of you thought you were at a place off the main road, but I'm telling you, you may be on one of God's interstates right now to get you to a destiny. Do you believe that? I believe that could be very, very true. Amen. Would you stand with me? Holy Spirit, come into this place right now and begin to <clears throat> begin to release out of your presence discernment and perspective to your people. As they're standing before you right now, I pray, Lord, that they would begin to evaluate where they are at in their journey. And Lord, help them to evaluate rightly. No one else really can do it. I mean, they could get some wisdom and some input. But ultimately, Lord, I believe that you would like to talk to them and speak to them. So, Lord, I pray right now that eyes would be opened, ears would be unstopped for them to see and to hear and to know where they are with you at this particular moment. And, Lord, I, I, I'm quite sure there are probably folks that are here that are on a detour that got there because of poor choices. They're on a detour because because of some bad decisions or they were being willful, wanted what they wanted, when they wanted it, and they got off your highway. And Lord, I pray right now, if that be the case, Lord, that there would be a humility that would come to them and they would humble themselves under the mighty hand of God and that they would enter into repentance and say, Lord, I see it now. I, I, maybe I didn't get it, didn't see it. Maybe you, maybe you knew all along you were just doing your thing. I don't care if it was out of ignorance or intention. Just repent before the Lord. His grace is here this morning to empower you to say, you know what, Lord, you are right and I am wrong. You are right and I am wrong. Lord, I pray right now that that softness and humility would come into you. Those people right now that know they're on that detour because of their own doings. Lord, I pray for that next group, Lord, that may be right now feeling detoured, reversed, just somehow or another off the main highway. And Lord, it's because... You led them there much like Joseph, Lord. Even though they made great sacrifices and they've, they've uh, uh, been able to leap over numerous challenges, Lord, they're on a detour because you've got them on that path. And Lord, I pray right now that they would continue to be yielded, that they would learn the lessons of this path, that they would, they would get the revelation they would need to get on this path, that they wouldn't be spiritually dumb or hardened on this path, 
that they wouldn't just sort of be bopping along this journey, but that, Lord, they would awaken right now in their spirit with eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, that they might learn what it is you're doing inside of them, that they might be a help and a blessing to others who will come down this path. Lord, I believe as a people this morning, Lord, you've got to put us on a winding road. I, I, I think of Fort Johnson Civic Center. I think of Hampton Inn. I think of Legacy One and Discount Furniture World. I think of this mall. And now I, I see a land that's a possibility before us, Lord. And I don't know that's how I would have chosen the path. But, Lord, that's obviously the path we're on. So, Lord, help us to learn the lessons we need to learn. Lord, cause us as a congregation to see beyond the natural, to hear beyond the natural. Lord, that we might have in us, Lord, the lessons and the precepts and the revelation and the insight we need in order to be of kingdom success in the region you have placed us. Work it in us, Holy Spirit. Work it in us. Work it in us as individuals. Work it in us as a people. How many of you right now, with your heads bowed, right now, would just lift your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, work some of that stuff in me this morning. I, my hands, I got both my antennas up this morning. Lord, work it in me. Help me, Lord, not to be one that just has a story of days gone by, but help me to live the story today well. Thank you, Lord, for testimonies. But Lord, cause us to be people who can walk out the precepts today of those testimonies of yesterday. Work it in us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can put your hands down. With every head bowed and every eye closed in these last 60 seconds. Let me tell you, if you have, if you have not gotten life right with Jesus Christ, if right now, because of sin, You've alienated your fellowship with God. If right now you'd say, you know what? I, my, my detour is just a detour that I'm not, even, I'm not even connected to God at the moment. Here's the deal. That's your first step to getting back on the main line. It's just to say, you know what? I, I, I need to get the Lord back into the equation. We're not debating doctrine. You may have years and years ago made a decision. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. I don't care about years ago. Your problem is today. Your issues are today. You need God in the equation today. Today. Today is the day. Now is the time. This is the moment. Grateful for what has happened, but that's meaningless. It's got to be today. So in these last few seconds... Now, church, you've got to start praying. We're praying for the harvest even through the Christmas season. Come on now. I want to, I want to begin to hear. hear the, the saints are praying right now. And if you're here this morning, you need to know people are praying for you right now. They love you. They care about you. And they're asking God to just work on your heart so that you might just melt a little bit, be humbled, and say, I want that. I want that. We will do everything in our power and with all heavenly power to see that kingdom success come to your life. Now, with every head bowed, I can only give just a few moments. But if that's you right now, I'm telling you, I don't care who you came with. Don't worry about what they think. I promise they'll wait for you. But I want you to slip out and come and just, just join me. Just join me. Yeah, someone's coming. You won't be alone. Come on now. How about it? How about it? Come on. We're praying. Everyone's praying. 
Come on, if God's knocking at your door and you want to get some things right before you go, you can just slip out right now. And just come on down. Father, right now, Lord, I just ask that all darkness be lifted, all blinders be torn off, veils be ripped. Lord, I pray that the pressure and stress of the season, which was meant to honor you, but has come to mean so many things that causes us stress, Lord, for these moments would be broken in Jesus' name. And that, Lord, you would reach out to people. That's the reason for the season, that you'd reach out in people's lives. So, Lord, let it happen right now. I'm asking right now. If God's dealing with you, just working with you, we love you. We want the best for you. We're just going to pray for you before you go. Just another moment or two. I've only got just another moment or two. I'm closing. All right, congregation, we're all going to pray together right now. Let's all do it. Everyone together, dear Jesus, thank you today for opening my eyes, giving me direction, and setting things straight. I link up with this one who's come by declaring out loud any waywardness and sin and rebellion, and I repent and I turn towards you. I believe in my heart you were raised from the dead to give me kingdom victory. I receive that into my heart and life. I believe there's a future and there's a hope. Give me all that I need to navigate a detour. Help me to see it's your interstate to get to destiny. I see it, Lord. I'm walking it out. Thank you this day for your power, grace, and favor that's seeing me through to the very end. I receive it and believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. All right, now Wednesday, listen, now Wednesday we're doing discovery class. That group's growing. It's getting larger, and so there's room for you. I encourage you to come out in the middle of the week. And next Sunday, it's going to be a great day, Christmas Sunday, and we're going to have a wonderful service. So you can invite a friend, and we're just going to have a great day together. God bless you. I hope to see you in the middle of the week. If not, next Sunday, you are released. God bless you.